our relationship grew as business partners, not as like friends hanging out. So I think we've always been really business with each other. And although we're amazing friends now, are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. It's Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? I'll tell you a fun fact. I came up with this title literally by trying to ask myself back in the day, what is the number one question that people ask me? And it is exactly that. Where should they invest? Where should I invest? That's how it all came about. And it was uh, probably, ironically, a five-minute decision to come up with this title of the podcast and it stuck. And this was back in 2017. But ultimately, I think it's a great title. You know, could I have called it something else? Absolutely. But it was the number one question I used to get. And back in the day when this podcast first was coming about, I was going to do it on a different city and different region each time. And I think quickly I realized that that was not the best strategy, but I kept the title of the show. But I was going to have a different city, a different topic, a different strategy in each of those markets and uh, across Canada. And I think ultimately that probably wouldn't have actually done that well, because if you're not interested in a certain region, you're not going to listen to those podcasts. So I scrapped that idea, but I kept the title. So now you know how, where should I invest got its title from. On that note, we have two great guests today. We have Jordan King, and we also have Evan Unger, who are going to be speaking about everything that they've done from a real estate investing standpoint, finding deals through the pandemic, creative financing strategies, and a lot more. I do not currently have an Instagram page anymore. As you know, on my last podcast, I was mentioning how somebody totally evil, scammed me and blocked my account, or I should say had my account blocked by reporting my account using many fake accounts and Instagram just pulled it. Unfortunately, I'm still trying to fight to try to get it back, but Inspire Beach Resort is the account on Instagram that is, if you want to ask questions or you want to know more about the retreat that we're doing, uh, it is all one word together, Inspire Beach Resort. Add us to your Instagram, send your questions through Inspire Beach Resort. And also if you are interested in the retreat, spots are filling up, but there are still some left. So let us know if you are interested. On that note, before we bring in our guests, let's see what is new and exciting in the financing world with the one and only Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages. Dahlia, what shall we know today? What is the tip of the week? Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in today's episode, I will go over another powerful creative financing strategy to add to your toolbox, which is commercial financing for residential properties. Many investors think that the only way lenders would finance a residential property, such as a single family home, duplex, triplex, or a fourplex, is by relying on the investor's personal income. While many lenders do, there are lenders on the street who would finance a residential property starting at two units under what's called commercial guidelines. 
which primarily look at how the property itself will qualify for the mortgage based on its income and expenses versus how you as a borrower would qualify. If you are an investor who have exhausted all of your options for qualifying with residential lenders, this method will open up doors for you and will enable you to continue to scale without having to worry about whether or not you have maxed out on the lending ratios with these lenders. Under this method, you can get up to 75% of the appraised value of the property and potentially 80% as an exception if the property qualifies. The interest rates are also a lot more favorable compared to considering a private loan option. So when do you use this method and what do you need to keep in mind? Firstly, if you feel that you have hit a wall with the residential lenders due to the size of your portfolio, low personal income or high debts, I suggest you get a second opinion from our team at Streetwise Mortgages as most of the time clients come to us thinking that they've maxed out and we are still able to unlock financing for them. As an investor, you should maximize on residential lending first, in my opinion, as it gives you the best leverage at 80% of the value, best amortization at 30-year AM, and lower cost of borrowing overall, including lower interest rates, cheaper appraisals, and minimal lender and broker fees, if any. Once you have maxed out with the residential lenders, that is when commercial financing can save you money and help you scale before you take on private funds. And here are the things that you need to keep in mind. Number one, lenders will consider income from legal units only. So if you have a duplex with one unit as an in-law suite, for example, and not necessarily a legal duplex, residential lenders would consider the rents, but commercial lenders won't. This would, as a result, impact the loan amount you can get under commercial financing. Number two, the maximum amortization you can get is 25 years versus the 30 years amortization you can get under residential financing. And number three, plan for higher costs overall, such as higher appraisals and potentially lender and broker fees. If your deal got declined by your current lender or you feel that you have maxed out on traditional financing, or if you would like to see how this financing tool can help you scale, our team at Streetwise Mortgages will help you unlock your possibilities. To book your complimentary portfolio planning session or for questions, email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. On that note, let's bring in our guests. Jordan, Evan, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thank you. How about yourself? Thank you. Good. I'm excited to have you. And uh, we just found out as we were talking before the show, we are Oakville neighbors and, uh, and you're not too far as well, Jordan. Uh, I believe you said Hamilton, right? Yeah, correct. Awesome. So for the listeners, you know, give us a little bit of insight on, on who you are and what you do when it comes to real estate investing. Oh, such a, a big question. Um, well, <laughs> so, I mean, Jordan and I have been, um, in business together for many years, maybe four or five years now, maybe, maybe five or six years now. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the time goes by quickly, but we kind of started in more of the consulting and financial space and uh, helping people acquire financing for projects and businesses and real estate. And then, um, you know, just connecting them on projects because it was hard uh, for younger people. And I mean, even 
even anybody really to find money for projects that the banks wouldn't necessarily go for. So we were using our network to connect these people and help them fund their projects or businesses that were a little bit outside of what the uh, normal lending uh, practices were. And so uh, that kind of led us down a path. Um, we did a little bit of private lending, got into uh, that, and then, um, yeah, found our way into real estate and absolutely fell in love with it and decided that this is definitely where we want to put uh, a lot of our focus and kind of branched out our, our other businesses based around our real estate business. Very cool. So what is the real estate investing strategy? Uh, well, we're, we're doing two. Uh, we do burrs and we do flips. And I guess eventually we'll probably start doing some bigger buy and holds. But I think right now we're mostly focused on um, burrs and flips. Yeah. Okay. And, and whereabouts are, you know, the majority of your properties that you're purchasing? Uh, St. Catharines, Hamilton, Brantford, and um, up north in Sault Ste. Marie. And Oakville. Well, yeah, we do, we do have quite a few in Oakville, but not that, not our, not part of our like standard, um, standard investing strategy. What, I'm just curious, what are the Oakville ones? Are they more like short-term type of thing or executive rentals? No, they're just like a couple condos, two townhomes and, oh no, yeah, a couple condos and two townhomes. There you go. So these were just, I mean, one of them is my primary, but, um, the other ones just, they were just good deals at the time and we decided to grab them. So. We got in early for the most part with the builder and like they had like a pretty creative uh, and digestible deposit structure. So that that's what kind of, you know, intrigued us to uh, dabble in that a little bit. And of course, as the market and everything has gone a little bit crazy, we had to kind of strategize a bit more and uh, go to different cities and different areas to find things that kind of fit what we're looking for and fit our model. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, it, it's obviously becoming, I think, since the pandemic started a lot harder to find deals. I mean, you know, when oh, yeah. I first started in 2013, 2014, you know, I didn't have to make an offer the first second that I saw something necessarily come up. I, I usually had a few days and, uh, and it wasn't like there's like 10 offers for every single one. And we were still able to get stuff even below listing price. But, you know, what, what's your, your experience been like in the last couple of years with acquisition? I mean, it's been exactly that. Um, I do remember first starting out, you know, I mean, we haven't been doing it as long uh, as you, that's for sure. Um, and so I do remember first starting out when it wasn't that hard to pick stuff up and, and you could put a condition on an offer once in a while and it would be okay, um, you know. And, and when you didn't have to like stay overnight in lines if you wanted a pre-build or something like that too. So those were good times. And now I definitely feel, you know, the supply is so low that yeah. anytime a deal comes up, there's just so many people circling it. And, and even the off market stuff that used to be more uh, relaxed to try and or to, to obtain and purchase the off market stuff has bidding wars and, and, and craziness for it. So it's exciting. I love the pressure of it. I know Jordan does too. So have you done anything creative in, in looking for deals? I mean, you talked a little bit about like, I think wholesaling and how that's got some, you know, some sometimes multiple bidders, but have you done any of your own canvassing, any of your own mailers or like, are you like just going with wholesalers and, you know, stuff on market right now for your, your purchases? The latter. Yeah. So we're going through wholesalers, um, definitely networking a ton. Um, yeah. So we're definitely not doing any 
I would say paper or paid marketing, but our networking is for sure what's helped us achieve the growth that we've had. Yeah, and, and, and just to kind of build and expand on that, like we do work with like quite a few people that, you know, they know what we're doing and they want to get involved at some capacity and kind of like at an entry level, what we'll say is, okay, well, you know, knock on some doors, put up some flyers, uh, talk to other wholesalers, try and find us deals that we're looking for. And um, uh, to kind of incentivize these people, you know, we'll give them like a little referral fee or something like that, or a big one, depending on the, the project and if it fits the numbers. But um, yeah, we're trying to, pretty much each and every way we possibly can. We're trying to find as many properties that fit our model because it is getting pretty scarce up there. Yeah. And, and so I don't think I asked you, but if, if you guys wouldn't mind sharing, like what is the size of your portfolio? Like, are, are you know, it sounds, it sounds to me like if you're like, Oh, Oakville is not really our main bread and butter and you've already got a, you know, a couple there, you know, how, like do you have a big portfolio and, and, or are you kind of just like flipping and, and getting rid of them, selling them? Yeah, so we've, we've reduced our size of our portfolio by almost half recently um, because the market was just so incredible. You know, we're going to recapitalize and then go back out and do the same thing again. Um, but we're, we're around the $14 million mark for our, our portfolio. I would say it's fairly small um, compared to the majority of players, but we're excited for our plans of this year and, and more than doubling that. So, All right, very cool. So are you financing? I know you, you, you dabbled in, in some lending and some financing even before real estate. So are you doing anything creative with how you're financing them, how you're bringing in potentially people or, or doing it yourself? I, I don't know. What, what does that look like for, for your portfolio? Uh, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but well, uh, Jordan, do you want to take that one? I'll take it. Um, yeah. You start <laughs> off and I'll build on okay. it. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, you know, we, we don't close off to any type of financing, lending, or um, creative strategy. We're very open-minded. Um, we deploy different strategies on different properties, everything from uh, vendor takebacks to private loans to A lenders, B lenders. Um, and we are starting to open the doors to joint venture um, slowly but surely. But um, for the most part, it's been just Jordan and myself doing it and kind of pushing our way through. Okay, awesome. And Jordan, anything you want yeah. to add? Yeah, I know exactly that. Like, um, you know, I, I know like joint ventures and things like that is like, you know, a main thing that a lot of real estate investors do to really grow and expand their portfolio. But I think to me and Evan, like peace in mind is everything to us. And like, you know, playing with our own capital, like if, you know, it just gives us that, uh, that comfort that, you know, we could take our time and, you know, figure some things out without the stress of, you know, having to meet expectations. And now as we are growing and getting more comfortable with their process, especially getting into more of like multifamilies and like apartment buildings and things like that, we have definitely been more open to investors and things like that, that would, you know, have kind of the same idea that we do when we just sort of align ourselves with them as well. But um, yeah, I would say for sure that, uh, Starting off, we really just focused on uh, pretty much our own capital. And now we're at that point where we're like, okay, you know, we're in a place where we're pretty comfortable. Let's uh, turn the ante up a bit and branch out some more. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors. On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel 
from White's Elm Design Build. And Robin Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the reno part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's gonna cost and what renos are gonna be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is white elmdesignbuild.com or you can send them an email joel j-o-e-l at whiteelmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com good luck on your next projects now back to the show I think it's really cool. I mean, you know, like I, I've recently formed some partnerships from a, a development standpoint with, uh, with Harry James. Uh, we're doing like three really cool developments, but I also like to, you know, hear like for, from you guys, cause you, you're, you're in a partnership, right? Even though you're not necessarily bringing a bunch of JVs, uh, it is a partnership. And, you know, what are the things, you know, like, that you could share? I mean, I'm sure someone's listening to this saying, you know, I could partner with a friend uh, or somebody that I know or a colleague and we can scale it a lot faster than maybe one person could do it on their own. Um, but everybody's got like their strengths or their, their you know, parts of, of what they do. Have you guys had that conversation, you know, early on of like, you know, one person's doing the acquisition, one person's doing the, you know, I don't know, getting the money or, or like walk us through what that looked like for you and, and what it is today. Um, all right. So I, I love the acquisition side of things. I'm like, I love the acquisition. I love the thrill of the, the chase and the hunt for it. Um, and I love breaking down the numbers. Um, so I would say Jordan and I are both on the financing side. I'm more on the acquisition side and then Jordan's more on the construction side. And then, and then we're both everything in between, I would say, but yeah. What, what challenges have you guys had along the way being a partnership and, you know, not being a sole owner, I suppose? Uh, you know, what color to paint the living room, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. You know, there's always some differences, but I would say 
Um, one of the benefits actually is that, you know, Jordan and I didn't really start off as friends. Uh, you know, we were just peers and we, our relationship grew as business partners, not as like friends hanging out and, and, and just hanging out. Right. So um, I think we've always been really business with each other. And although we're amazing friends now, um, we grew our relationship around business and that's really helped keep us laser focused and understanding of what each other wants. There's definitely going to be differences in, in a lot of things. I've certainly yelled at Jordan. Jordan certainly yelled at me, uh, you know, over properties and, and, and people and opportunities and whatnot. But uh, our vision is identical. I can tell you that there is like tunnel, tunnel vision in the exact same direction. And I, I really think everything else kind of falls to the wayside when you have that like unwavering vision and it's the same as someone else. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great point there. And, you know, obviously vision is important. Goals are important. I'm just curious. I mean, like if, if you've grown so much in the last few years, like, like, have you come up with a, here are 2025 goals or like five years out or, you know, like maybe Jordan will, I know you're, you're kind of nodding. Um, you know, what does that look like? Let's put it out on the table, hold the accountability, right? When you make it public. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely massive. Uh, we, we really, I think part of the reasons why the partnership has worked so well though in previous years and currently is, like I've been said, our vision's very, very aligned and um, we do see big picture. And, you know, we want to achieve things. You want to, um, you know, there, there's been times where we'll say for an example, oh, like it's so stressful. We're not buying properties for like three months. And then two days later, we're looking at buying a property. So as much as we hate the stress, I think we kind of like it as well. Um, and, and what drives us is obviously uh, just us wanting more, you know, wanting to create something, wanting to really essentially build an empire, you know, that uh, we could rely on and, and when we need to and also give other people opportunities to work and build with us as well. Um, that's a big thing. And I, and I have to say, um, that's definitely something that um, you know, we definitely take pride in like the different businesses that we have built off of this business. You know, if we have a construction company where, you know, we keep our guys employed, you know, year round, we don't, we don't ever have downtime, you know what I mean? And so that's given um, our, our, our employees an opportunity to really build and master the trades and master the craft and work with us. But uh, in terms of numbers, like we want to be pretty big. We want to, we're coming. <laughs> Okay, that's cool. That's cool. So, so you talk, you talk about the construction company, and, and that's kind of like your, you know, your your part of the business. Are you doing construction just for your projects, or is that also a part of the business that you do for other investors or other people that need renos on their properties? We we, we do both. Um, obviously, uh, the the main purpose of having a con our construction company in-house is for our own properties if things come up you know especially in this market and how things have been going with the labor shortage right uh, you know someone wants to buy a house they want to do a flip in and out in 30 to 45 days but there's no contractors available for three or four months so i think um in terms of that like it's definitely helped us build but that being said like we don't turn away business either if it makes sense so we do offer our, our construction company out to other investors and clients that are either looking to do kind of our in and out quick flip like we do or they're looking to do some high-end finishes at their primary residence but it's definitely a combination of the two 
That's awesome. I mean, it, it sounds like you, you have both grown the business uh, and the businesses in, in the business quite a bit, uh, quite rapidly uh, and well and, and, you know, with employees and, and all that good stuff. What are some challenges that you've experienced along the way growing so fast? Oh, man. What, what challenges haven't we faced growing fast? Um, <laughs> you know, I think like everything comes down to a system and the challenge in the beginning is, um, you know, do you have the systems that you need to rely on as your, um, as your scale grows? Because the system you have for 2 million in properties versus 5 versus is 10 versus 15 versus 100 million is going to be similar but different in size and scale and you're going to need a lot more people in place and you're going to need things to move faster or differently and um, I think that's been a big challenge is making sure that we have the right amount of people in place and and having systems for things to kind of like checks and balances. If this happens, this, this, this proceeds. And almost almost like automation uh, on the human side and on the software side, right? So um, every, from everything from acquisitions um, to, to resale, like, you know, small things. When we first started doing flips, I mean, we really only started doing flips in 2021. Uh, we, you know, the Burr model's great, um, but it doesn't necessarily provide for like, like ongoing working capital, right? So as you're scaling, you're burring. And if you're getting a perfect burr or a little better or a little worse, you know, you're kind of going even with your working capital. So scaling, you need to have more capital, growing capital funds. So we started flipping and I tell you like the small things matter a lot. Like the garden in the front of the house makes a big difference on a flip, you know? And it's the the nicer lamps or lights that you put in the house, uh, in the living room, you know, the ones that look modern and stylish in the bathroom. And these little things that you really don't think about um, too much because you want to put good quality in and we always focus on like high quality. But when you're selling, it's not so much about durability. It's it's actually more about like eye-catching and, and, and yeah. style. And these are the things like these small things that you never think you're going to have to like really think about, but they come into play. I mean, that's a great point, right? Because we like, we renovate to either sell or we renovate to rent and the materials, like you said, like you, that that's bang on, like you're, you're going to take materials that are going to be more durable. That might not be as expensive for your renters, you know, unless you're like an Oakville or a different area, then maybe it's different versus versus selling and especially if your seller is an end user buying it for themselves right and not another investor and i think that's super important so maybe jordan like if you like if you could walk us through i don't know like maybe like a kitchen or the flooring like you know what does renovate to rent versus renovate to sell like mean in terms of like maybe the materials that you're going to pick or that kind of stuff yeah. Well, I, well, first I'll start off by saying well, like what you kind of got at is it all depends on which area that we are doing, let's say a flip, right? If we're doing, like we have a rule of thumb, if like, you know, the flip is going to be over like, you know, 600 or 700,000, we're going to make sure we have stone countertops. We're going to have um, custom cabinets. You know what I mean? Like we're going to really make sure it, it pops. So if someone's going to spend uh, three quarters of a million dollars and up on a property, they're going to be happy with the finishes. Um, uh, 
compare that to our bows, if we're doing something like that, well, we know, okay, you want to obviously make sure everything underneath is uh, safe and sound on any property. But like if we're holding a property for 10, 15 years, we're going to make sure that we have like, you know, fully rewired electrical, uh, plumbing, everything new. So there's no issues once we have the renters in there. And then uh, talking about the floors, you might go with like a very, very durable vinyl flooring that is going to be able to withstand tenants moving in and out on a yearly basis or if it's a short-term rental, whatever it may be. But um, I think the biggest thing that uh, we have learned, at least in this last little bit, is a term that we've come up with, well, not just us, but uh, getting it sale ready for the flip. So things that we would kind of like, oh, who cares about the garden or whatever on a property we're keeping for a burr, um, that's everything, kind of like what everyone was saying before for a flip. So making sure that garden is all cleaned up. There's nothing in the area. If the driveway is a little mashed up, you know, let's lay down new concrete or pavement. Um, things like that to really bring it up as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Great points. What about like, you know, like for example, like for me, I avoid pools because I don't want to deal with renters and liabilities and pools but from a flipping perspective that could potentially you know eliminate a lot of investor buyers um have you yes. have you you know what can you tell us maybe about the backyards pools hot tubs we don't play much with pools and hot tubs yeah. um I can't say that we avoid them particularly um but I, I we just don't play much with them we haven't played with with anything with the pool to be honest with you and I can't say it's by choice it's just we haven't come across something with a pool that we really wanted to go after. Um, but it's exactly what Jordan said, right? Like, I mean, as, as a rental property, um, potentially on a short-term rental, I might entertain the pool, but you know, we are in Ontario, we are in, in Canada and, you know, getting three and a half months of use out of a pool, four months of use out of a pool is, you know, the, the extra cost and work on that may not be necessarily what we're looking for. Um, yeah. But but on the, on the, on the, on the burr side, I haven't come across like smaller or, or larger multifamilies that fit up like a really good burr that have a pool. That's going to get you, that's going to get you the debt servicing that you really want. Right. Because I think, I think really what we have to keep in mind is as we're doing the burr formula, you also have to keep in mind, is it going to debt service to refinance? And this is, like, you know, you find a single family home with a nice pool and it's really beat up and really dilapidated and you get it like half price and you're like, this is a huge win. And then, you know, you, you put some good money into it. You, you remodel the house. It's beautiful. You're going to, your margin is big enough that you can burn it, but the rental income is going to be such a small percentage of the house that it actually won't debt service enough to, uh, you know, refinance and hold appropriately um, unless you're, unless you're going to refinance at like a ridiculously low loan to value. And so, you know, the ones with the big pools, I haven't really found that that fit that model perfectly. That's my long winded answer. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals and Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. 
And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. So last question before we get into our lightning round, you know, obviously you cater or I think you, you, you are out there trying to help millennials. Can you give us some more insight on, on what that's all about? I mean, I'll go first. I know Jordan has a lot to say on this one. We're just passionate about this industry. Now we've you know, grown so much into it and, you know, between Jordan and myself, we've helped many people acquire their first primary residence as well as their first investment property it's just, you know, there's something really rewarding about it. And Jordan and I both have unique stories as to how we kind of got our first properties and we see the market and how expensive it is. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's very rewarding and makes the journey and the stress and all that stuff worth it to help other people get into it. And, and, and you see the the looks on their faces and, and how happy they are when they you know, get into this market. It's, it's definitely just extremely rewarding. And I think that, the media and mainstream media makes it seem like it's impossible for millennials to get into the market. Look at the wage difference. Look at the average cost of a home. And they paint this picture of like, it's a nightmare. And, and in reality, it's really not. It's, 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 it's kind of like art, you know, you, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta just get at it and, and interpret it in the way that works for you. And, and I think that anybody can get into a home. You just have to be creative with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just to build on that, like, I think Evan's absolutely right. Like, you know, we're, it's an industry that we're very passionate about and very um, outspoken about. So when, you know, people come to us with questions and things like what I find is um, just giving that knowledge and opening people's minds to, seeing different potentials on how they can invest, right? I remember when I first got into real estate, it was like, no, it had to be a detached home. It had to be in Oakville. Well, guess what? When I was 20 years old, I couldn't afford a detached home in Oakville. So I found a condo that had like a really, really good deposit structure, which actually, you know, years later turned out to be a great investment. Um, Same thing with people I talk to. Oh, well, I want to get a property, but, you know, it doesn't really fit in Oakville. Well, don't look in Oakville. You know, um, there's multifamilies up north you can get for under $200,000 in some cities that are have great opportunity for appreciation and have great cash flow, right? So um, just having those conversations and opening people's mind to that concept and to see the look on their face, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't think of that. Because I think most people think in real estate that, you know, you have to invest in the city that you currently live in. 
And that's not always the case, especially we've seen through the pandemic, everything's online. Like, you know, Evan, how many contracts have we signed on DocuSign? You know what I mean? And, you know, yeah. a property in Sault Ste. Marie where we send an inspector to go check out the property. If we like it, cool, we're making our offer. And then we have uh, different management companies to manage all these properties that we have in different cities. So I think, um, you know, if there's a will, there's definitely a way. But having that knowledge is what's going to be and play a crucial part in, you know, helping people to make their educated decision on entering the market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very early on, too, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm technically an older millennial, but, um, you know, I, I was trying to be motivating to exactly the, you know, that, that cohort. And it's a, about, you know, maybe rents where you want to live if where you want to live is super expensive. And then, like, I mean, even now, like I was literally talking to somebody on a podcast and he bought a house, a fourplex for under 200 grand in a CU Lookout. And the rents were like 1200 to 1600 per unit. I mean, there, there are some opportunities, but I think you'd said it oh, right. Yeah. It's about education. It's about teaching them and, you know, keep renting in Oakville or keep renting in Toronto. But like you could cover all your costs by buying one of these things up north. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's, there's tons of opportunity out there. And I think, like you said, too, it's we listen to the media so much. Right. And. Uh, the media also doesn't really know real estate investing or real estate in general. And they look at exactly what you said is the, you know, how much the wages are and how much they've been stagnant and the prices in the GTA that have risen so much. But thinking outside the box is, you know, they're not stuck. It's just a, a matter of exactly that education. So are you guys coaching? Are you guys, you know, providing like, what, what is it that you're, you're, you're providing people that want to get into real estate? Just, mentorship we're not we haven't launched a coaching program or anything like that yet just kind of helping out where we can and 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 still staying focused on scaling our business before we really put out a model that 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 we believe is is that we want to sell to people put it that way and i think it keeps a keeps us on our toes and it keeps us sharp right like if you want to really know something teach you know what i mean so i think uh having this mentorship that we do uh it really, you know, forces us to stay on our game, you know, be up to date with what's going on in the market. And it, it helps our business at the end of the day. Wow, that's amazing. You guys are awesome. So, I mean, obviously we can keep talking forever, but the next part of the podcast is a lightning round. So I'm going to ask each of you five questions. You can give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready to play? <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> right. You know what? I'm going to pick who goes first. Jordan, we're going to go with you first. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomutz. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomutz.com forward slash Sarah. And also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free, customized, individualized 90-day game plan for getting ahead. So to get that, go to meganchomutz.com forward slash Sarah. That's M-E-G-H-A-N. C-H-O-M-U-T dot com forward slash Sarah. And now back to the show. Question number one. What is your favorite real estate investing book? Oh, man. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's not specifically real estate, but it kind of opened my mind to that concept of, you know, having your money work for you and uh, just not relying on an hourly wage. Absolutely. Evan? Um. 
the one that really got me creative would be how to invest with low or no money down. With Brandon Turner. Yeah. Awesome. Number two, this does not have to be real estate related. Evan, we're going to go with you first. What is your favorite podcast? Oh God. Uh, you know, I go with the classic answer of, of um, bigger pockets podcast, I would say. And, and, you know, for some comedy and some learning Joe Rogan often as well. So. All right. Very cool. Jordan. Yeah. I'm with Evan there with, uh, our main man, Joe Rogan, I think he's awesome. And I love the stuff he has to say. Very insightful. And I also like uh, Patrick Pete Davidson on uh, Valuetainment. Okay. All right. Great answers. Number three, Jordan, we'll start with you. What do you do for fun, aside from work, aside from real estate investing? Any cool hobbies? Um, yeah, Jordan. Uh, it, <laughs> to be honest, like, this is my fun. Um, I have a family, you know, I got a kid with another kid on the way. So like, I, you know, I like to spend as much time with them as possible, but uh, nothing really gives me that thrill, that business and real estate investing and financing and construction uh, does for me. So I'm working on it. I'm trying to get some more hobbies going. I did used to play a lot of sports and I'm involved with like a little bit of music and things like that. But uh, real estate is like and investing in business in general is really my hobby and really where my passion is. All right. Very cool. Evan, what about you? Um, I'm into like health and fitness. Um, love to work out. I'd say it's a great hobby of mine. Travel as much as I can. And, uh, and yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Number four, if you lost all of your money and all of your assets tomorrow, how would you start again, Evan? The same thing I'm doing right now. I mean, it would be it would be real estate for sure. I would probably borrow and, or find a creative one to start with and build from there. Absolutely. All right, Jordan, what about you? Um, good question. Um, I, I think it would be pretty similar. Uh, you know, what, what we've been doing... Um, with like the finance and the real estate and construction has definitely built a, a bulk of our, our wealth and our money. So I think having that knowledge, doing it again from the beginning would just be that much more efficient. So um, yeah, I would say probably the same thing as well. Okay. All right. Very cool. Final question. Number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, but they only have 50 grand, Jordan, how would you recommend that they spend that money? Um, I would personally, well, one of two things. I think, because uh, we did it as well, is getting started as a private lender and investing in someone that you know is successful and they have that track record that they could turn over these properties. I think it's a really good way to A, get comfortable investing and B, learn the process. Um, once you kind of get that out of your way, then I would definitely say, you know, snagging a property up north. I think we, like, we picked up a duplex. I think it was like 40 grand down. And uh, the thing is cash flowing every single month. And we got it for like 150 something thousand dollars. So um, that's what I would say. I would say private, private lending or purchasing a property in a city where, you know, properties are still under a couple hundred thousand dollars for sure. Okay. All right. And Evan, what do you think? I mean, I would ask them what their goal is. Like, to be honest with you, you know, that, that's going to really make the answer completely different what their goals are. Like, what do you want? Where do you want to be in five years from now? Um, 
<laughs> I would say I would probably get them to have an asset under their belt. So I would probably have a purchase of some sort. Um, and it would, yeah, obviously be in, in an auxiliary market. It wouldn't be like local to Oakville. Um, and, and then I would leverage that asset to, to build another asset, whether it was in real estate or slightly diversified in stocks or something like that. Okay. All right. Very cool. Thanks guys for playing the lightning round. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Um, wow. Anywhere, I guess, Instagram or, or you can go to tuckcapital.com, um, www.tuckcapital.com, T-U-K-C-A-P-I-T-A-L. Um, they can visit Jordan's Instagram at kingcom with two M's 91 or mine, Evan Unger, U-N-G-A-R. Amazing. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Great questions. And uh, hopefully we can be on another episode. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked, and also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.